truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Thanks for tuning in to the Steve Dace Show live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace, Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre. You know, here's the thing. That? Your mic is not Are you on. still Try getting crap for that? What's that? What you just said. I thought you were going to talk about our names. You no. you uh, pronun- enunciated no, 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 them. No, oh, okay. No. Uh, here's the thing. I, I only wore this because I anticipated you were going to wear some kind of Chiefs gear today. And I knew you were going to come up with... I figured you were going to wear something Brewers. Or you are wearing something Chiefs today. It's just... Well, it's actually dignified. Unlike my t-shirt and Todd's jersey. Okay. So I, I, I just wanted to make sure that the millennial was not the only person on the set who actually wore legitimate clothing. That would, that would absolutely make us look bad. No question about that. Okay. So we are all wearing team gear. We will have um, a female joining us here, uh, a Fomali uh, in the first hour for the day's group who will not be wearing any team gear and probably add some morsel or shred of dignity uh, to our appearance here on Blaze TV. There she is. She actually brushed her hair as well. So there you Thank go. You. Good to see you, Shannon. 888-900-3393. That's the number. 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. By now, if you're, a, if you're a regular here, you know the drill on a Friday. All right. We've got Feedback Friday coming up next hour where we take a, the final hour of each week and, and get back to you and respond to your responses to us. But before we do that, we have to look back on the week that was with the Dace Group. Brought to you by Keeps, which knows that losing your hair uh, sucks. But what you may not know is the cause of your hair loss could be a hormone called DHT. And now there's a possible solution. The FDA has approved two hair treatment products to help control your DHT and prevent you from losing your hair. It's even triggered hair regrowth uh, in a good percentage of guys. But now, up until now, these products were very expensive and you had to visit your doctor in order to obtain them. But here's the good news. Keeps offers the generic versions of those two approved hair care products. And not only now are they 90% effective, but they're a lot more affordable as well. And with Keeps, you can save your hair without ever leaving your couch. Answer a few questions, snap a few pics of your hair, and a licensed doctor will review your info and recommend the right hair loss treatment for you. Then it's shipped discreetly to your door. And I'll even give you a special deal to give this a shot. Go to Keeps.com slash stop right now keeps.com slash stop. You'll get a free online doctor consult and your first month of hair treatments. If you sign up first month of treatments for free. All right. First month of treatments for free and a free online consult. When you go to keeps.com slash stop. We welcome in New York talk show host Shannon Joy as the fourth member of our Dace group panel. Let's get to issue one bleep Democrats say. Even though scientists, people were saying secondhand smoking was worse, was worse. 
than directly smoking cigarettes. You have three sons. Yeah. And your, your son, Noah, is yeah. very much into fashion. Yeah. He's, he's really into fashion, and he's the one, like, sometimes he'll, he'll dress himself when he likes to wear dresses sometimes, and, he'll, and I send him to a really liberal, like, hippie school, but yeah. even, even there, here in California, he still has little boys going, like, boys don't wear dresses or boys don't wear pink, and so we're going through that now where I'm trying to teach him to be confident no matter what. I've held an AR-15 in my hand, I wish I had it. It is as heavy as 10 boxes that you might be moving. Uh, and the bullet that is utilized, a 50 caliber, these kinds of bullets, uh, need to be licensed and do not need to be on the street. I'm 19 years old and like so many people my age, I feel really visceral anxiety about climate change. My name is Rosie Clemens-Coco. I'm 11 years old. We are here because our parents trashed the planet and it's up to our generation to save it. Oh, hey, hey, ho, ho. We need to say, by 2028, we're not going to do any more buildings and houses that have any carbon emissions. By 2030, no more cars with carbon emissions. And by 2035, no more production of electricity that has carbon emissions. Hi, good morning, Senator. Uh, my name is Joan Miller. Uh, I am a doctoral candidate at USC. I study empathy as communication. Wow. Um, my pronouns are she, her, hers. And uh, yesterday we talked a lot about individual responsibility to change behavior like veganism, water waste, and plastic straw bans, all of which initiatives disproportionately affect uh, disabled people and poor people. Um, besides a carbon tax and these individual responsibilities, how can we shift the responsibility to incentivize corporations and high waste industries to change their behavior around climate change? of our futures are in jeopardy. Baby boomers, all these people, call us Generation Z, the last letter of the alphabet, because we are going to be the last generation to survive. We have only 11 years to rectify decades of damage that we have inflicted on our planet, and only 18 months until some damages are irreversible. And I am only 16 years old. I am here to speak for the trees. I'd like to acknowledge my privilege and my background. I am here for the people who are suffering and dying because of our country's decision. And we are not here to talk about our sacrifices and our doom and gloom and not existing. We are here to create. We do not have time to be polite. This is a revolution. We are creating this movement every day because every day of inaction drives more action from us. Aaron, I, I have to take some umbrage with your montage this week. My understanding when we agreed to lead off the roundtable with this uh, throughout the course of you know this campaign, Right, which pri the primary started in uh, beginning of this year and sure, then yeah. into the general next year. My my understanding is that this was going to be fixed, focused on what Democrats are saying, and not um, a Trump twenty twenty campaign commercial. Correct. You got me. How about the weather? It's kind of cooling down a little bit outside. Um, yeah, I don't want to talk about that. I, I unless just unless what I've we're saying totally is that there's here. no way to edit this without it appearing as such. 
You know what? Are Let's we go with that? that. Let's go with that. Okay. I'm sensitive, and so you know um, that that makes me look a little bit better. So let's go with that. Because I, as I as we got to the end of that montage, I thought to myself, they ought to just fire everybody over at Trump 2020, and you know just take all that money they're raising and and run these montages, and uh, just blister the airwaves with this nationwide. But what was your favorite ride on the crazy train this week, Todd? Go ahead. Well, that fun, uh, what's that, when they, at college campuses where they kind of sort of talk slash rap, like spoken word sort of stuff. Yeah. By those, like the woke version of the bangles up there, that was refreshing. Uh, But no, actually, I'm going with Elizabeth Warren up there. I her just flat out embracing of the lie everything she said up there about what's going to happen she's basically describing a nuclear winter if everybody- that's why i thought this was this one because it because that clip is where i thought this turned into holy crap i mean that's like a trump can that we're going to see that commercial yeah. next year if she if, if if i'm right and she ends up being the nominee we're going to see that a lot and you know what she's not going to disavow it no she's going to own it yes yeah it's it was pretty remarkable to but again she ha- it's the reason for her ascendancy at some point you got to make your deal with the devil yeah and just go with it and she has and to that because you watch how we thought Camilla would do it and she was incapable of doing it and that probably means that her soul is potentially salvageable Corey Booker's face man oh yeah well, that's that, the that, only that, reason why I let that whole clip play out there's a hello darkness my old friend yeah, there. yes I know I mean and 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 he's got this look on his face and you can almost sense like you know I've been playing I've been playing to these people yes. I thought some of this was an act holy bleep yes this poop is real and then he, where he like almost bites his lower lip as he contemplates how he's going to possibly <laughs> answer her in a way that will be acceptable. He was the Homer Simpson meme back into the bush right yes. there. Oh, no. When, when Cory Booker is, when, you've, when you have caused Cory Booker to self-actualize, <laughs> to, to self-aware yeah. and think, what, what was that? All right. I've got to ask, where, where does it end? Shannon, go. Your turn. I think the juxtaposition between the Democrat candidates and the children was hilarious. And it, it, is it any wonder in our culture today, at least the liberal left, that we are desperately asking the children to save us when you hear the absolute balderdash coming out of the adults in the room? And so it just... It's, you know, to me, this one was somewhat terrifying to see the level of absolutely uh, the the level of indoctrination in in those kids is terrifying. It shows you how powerful a tool the education system is and how easy it is to create an army of activists, an army of socialists. It's why I think more of us should be absolutely raising hell on our school boards and in our public schools, especially conservatives. Even if your kids are safely tucked away in a private school or a home school, what they're doing right now in public schools is creating a new generation of totalitarianism, and um, we see it on display in that montage. Aaron? Hey, hey, ho, ho, fossil fuels have got to go. Um, that's probably my favorite one, the, the twerking um, rainbow-clad uh, dude who is polluting uh, the streets, while he's supposedly campaigning and dancing for climate change, uh, that was definitely my favorite part of all of that. And there were several, several videos of that guy twerking, really, really disgusting. That's like the portrait and of I this cult. And I wanted to 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about the cult of progressivism in general. Yes. Uh, yes. And not just the climate Absolutely. change cult. Yeah. But yeah. that. Yeah. He's he's the mascot for that. Uh, constant. You know, uh, a completely unrelated note. I was. I, I should say. Um, I got this close to pouring bleach into my eyes. I've got some on standby uh, over here. If you guys need it anytime, I'll, I'll let you borrow some. Uh, but yes, uh, multiple times while perusing Twitter and seeing that guy blessing my Twitter feed, I, I wanted to pour bleach in my eyes. But yes, nothing perfectly encapsulates that more than twerking guy out on the street polluting. I mean, I their words cannot express how perfectly that encapsulates progressivism, not just the climate crazies, but progressivism in general. It is just emoting. It uh, it is the opposite. The the actions of those uh, promoting it are the opposite of what they're actually trying to accomplish. All the while flipping the bird at God for all of this. That emblem it, that is just so emblematic of progressivism in general. Rainbow jihad twerking guy. At a, at a global warming event, uh, concerned about caring for the earth as he glitter bombs with litter. That's like an interdenominational meeting of the, at the Church of Progressivism, yeah. right? I mean, it's got denominations like we do, too. I mean, every cult is a bastardization of the real thing. And, you know, they're not Methodists and Catholics and, and Baptists and Pentecostals. It's, it's the global warming cult. It's the rainbow jihad. It's the race pimps. They've got their denominations, too. And that guy was like an interdenominational meeting, right? Yes. I mean, he was, he, was, yes. he was touching on, so to speak, several of their denominations there all at once. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Uh, exit question on a scale of one to 10 with one being as pathetic as Lindsey Graham's T level and 10 being uh, as, as vigorous as Ilan Omar's raging anti-Semitism. rate this week's level of crazy. Now, Shannon, I'm going to go to you first. Here's something we decided since you haven't been here in a few weeks, we decided we needed to stop rating these in the full, you know, um, context of, of the compilation that we follow every week. Otherwise we're going to get calloused and we need to, we need to look at each one of these as an individual unit, regardless of what we saw the week before or over the course of several months buildup. Okay. So with that in mind, your score. Well, this, this week tweaked me a little bit and I I really do think it has to do with witnessing the level of indoctrination in those young kids. To me, that that's something somewhat terrifying. And it, it harkens back to uh, dark times in our history where, you know, propaganda uh, changed the hearts of people and, and compelled them to commit atrocities. And that's, that level of indoctrination is frightening. Yeah, I'm with you. I I think it's a 10 for all the reasons you articulated. That's children of the corn territory. Okay. Todd, where are you at? Uh, 10 for everything you just said. Aaron, 10. Issue two, impeachment. It all began when CNN's Chris Cuomo asked Rudy Giuliani, a lawyer for the president, about some rumors surrounding a whistleblower report which alleged a quid pro quo between the Trump administration and Ukraine to dig up dirt on Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden. No, actually, I didn't. I asked the Ukraine to investigate the allegations that there was interference in the election of 2016 by the Ukrainians for the benefit of Hillary Clinton, for which there already is a court finding. You never asked anything about Hunter Biden. You never asked anything about Joe Biden. The only thing I asked about Joe Biden is to get to the bottom of how it was that Lutsenko, who was appointed, dismissed the case against Antak. So you did ask Ukraine to look into Joe Biden? Of course I did. You just said you didn't. 
No, I didn't ask him to look into Joe Biden. I asked him to look into the allegations that were related to my client, which tangentially involved Joe Biden in a massive bribery scheme. This was followed up by a report from the Wall Street Journal, which stated that President Trump repeatedly pressed Ukraine's president to investigate Hunter Biden, whose international business interests have been the cause of some bad speculation both now and in the past. Then Nancy Pelosi made the big announcement. And this week, the president has admitted to asking the president of Ukraine to take actions which would benefit him politically. The, action of the, Trump, the actions of the Trump presidency revealed the dishonorable fact of the president's betrayal of his oath of office, betrayal of our national security, and betrayal of the integrity of our elections. Therefore, today, I'm announcing the House of Representatives moving forward with an official impeachment inquiry. Later in the week, the White House released the transcript of the call between President Trump and Ukraine's president. And yesterday, the official whistleblower report was released to the public. The report details numerous instances of alleged improper use of presidential powers to pressure Ukraine into digging up dirt on the Bidens, as well as allegations that the administration tried to cover up evidence of doing so. The New York Times also published a report yesterday saying the whistleblower was a CIA operative who was close to and had numerous sources within the White House. So impeachment, it is then. All right, first question, Shannon, I'm going to start here with you. How much of this story, and all of us agree, all right, so let's, let's, we all agree this is all political theater, all right? And I just wrote a column earlier this week for The Blaze, they're just bored. There's nothing else to do. And, and their bases demanded this, and they thought Bob Mueller was going to deliver the script for their, the, the, the culmination of this season of Trump with, a, with an impeachment hearing, and he didn't. So they got to come up, this is their plan B. We all recognize that, all right? Um, so let's take that off the table. We all, all four of us are here with the, 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 the showmanship aspect of this. How much of this story, though, is driven by Trump's alleged actions and how much of it is driven by Democrats were simply always planning to end 2019 by going there. And like I said, they were just pinning their hopes on Bob Mueller. He couldn't deliver. And so this is their plan B. What do you think it is? Well, I think that, I mean, I read the entire transcript and I came away with a slightly different opinion than some of my colleagues on the right. I thought that there was impropriety there. I think the using of uh, his position as president of the United States to ask the president of Ukraine to investigate his political opponent, I'm not talking about the, the crowd strike or you know the Russia scandal, but to investigate Joe Biden crossed the line. I don't think it crossed the line worthy of impeachment, but I also believe that the name of the game for President Trump is to distract his base. It isn't it, it hasn't escaped my attention that last week in the midst of the, the Kavanaugh fracas, we had the House pass a massive spending bill on top of the one point four trillion dollars that was spent in July that in fact Chip Roy called horrendous, right? That happened last week. This week we have the Ukrainian scandal. And, uh, you know, the whistleblower scandal, that's the week that the Senate passes the same bill. It's now gone to the president's desk. And, I, you know, the only thing that can hurt Trump's chances of winning the presidency in 2020 is if his base wakes up and realizes that he legislates like a liberal Democrat. 
and that he has, for the most part, perpetuated Obama's entire administration and all of his agendas. And so if the base wakes up and figures that out, he'll have a problem. And so the name of the game, that's why I think impeachment is probably likely, because that would be the one thing that would completely distract his base from gun control, from the growth of debt and deficit, from the funding of Planned Parenthood, from his uh, failure, failure to secure the border wall. Uh, it really is. It's a masterful symphony that they are engaging in right now. But I mean, we also just real, saw, you know, a couple contracts canceled for building a wall along the border. Uh, the, you know, TikTok Sean Hannity has predict, been predicting these uh, indictments and people are going to perp walks. People are going to go to jail. That didn't come to fruition. So they needed something in the past two weeks and, and they got it in these two scandals. Todd, your thoughts? There's no masterful symphony. There's just emptiness and despair. Uh, these 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 people are uh, craven nitwits. And th- listen, it's it's not the former. It's not Trump's alleged allegations because, as we've talked about, listen, uh, the Biden family is up to their eyeballs in this specific country and has a paper. There's there's no standard that they can apply to Trump on this. And, and Shannon is right about uh, improprieties, thing, things crossing the line. But this entire thing called our government has crossed the line. It is permanently across the line. So it's not that. There's nothing unique about Trump's, uh, Trump's alleged actions. So it's closer to the latter uh, that they always wanted to go here. Uh, Steve's probably more... I was skeptical about... Uh, that, you know, th- yeah, there was that it about them who always wanted to, but the reality of it, I didn't, I, I didn't see the, the second coming of Kavanaugh. So Steve was more right about that all along than I was. I do think there's something else there. I do think it's also the fact that they've looked at their, uh, Democrat primary thus far and they, they don't like what they see. They have no confidence. They don't have confidence in Biden, regardless of the resurrection of Elizabeth Warren. They don't have confidence in that. So they have got to go after Trump. It's just that they cannot put all of their money on what they've seen so far uh, in these debates and and what we see every day when we do that first uh, clip of uh, bleep Democrats say they can't rely on that alone. To go to what Shannon said, though, I think this is where there's a symbiotic relationship between these two dynamics. I mean, you think Donald Trump is more comfortable fighting with Democrats and his own party, Uh, you know, uh, hand to fist, hand to hand combat politically to get funding for a border wall or uh, going uh, himself with his own, you know, internal team, mano a mano in a media war against uh, Democrats over impeachment. Where yeah. do you think Donald Trump is more comfortable? Oh, I know. There's yeah. no good answer to that. Man. Yeah. Well, because we know what the answer is to that. I think so. Even if it's not an intentional, like, I think, I think, I think a lot of the decisions you've seen Trump make, I think the decision you saw last month where he was leaking to a lot of people all over conservative media, they was going to stand up to the courts on the census question and then didn't at the last second. And the reason I'm told is because Bill Barr, the attorney general, wasn't on board. And Bill Barr, he thinks, saved him from impeachment. I, I, so I think on one hand, this has been his great fear is he doesn't want to go down as an impeached president. I know that he doesn't. I, I know that for a fact from people I know that know him. But on the other hand, I think the instinct in him is, even though he doesn't want this, it's a fight he's much more comfortable waging 
than yeah. some long protracted fight on a public policy that he right. that he gets bored with the specifics of anyway. And really, up until he became a Republican presidential candidate, didn't know anything about care about or even have a position on it that we liked if he did. Right. Yeah. So, I, that you know, and you can tell that in the end, in politics, you're always the hills you're willing to die on. He's a true believer in tariffs. All right. This is something he's been consistent yeah. on since he started announcing. He he he'll go into long protracted conversations and stuff about this. He's a true believer in that because stuff. they fit his personality. Yeah. It's not like some great economic dogma yeah. he has. He he looks for situations. See, Trump doesn't believe he has leverage with the with he can leverage Capitol Hill and his own party to get him to do what he wants. Okay, but he does think he can leverage the media to win a personality battle, and that's what impeachment is because he has because he has he's been undefeated in that regard. Indeed, Aaron. So I, I will answer the question, but I just want to say that, you know, whether or not this is Trump's own doing versus just a place that the Democrats wanted to end up at the end of 2019 anyway, I'm at Schrodinger's cat uh, level of analysis when it comes to things like this. Is the cat inside the box dead or not? The answer is always yes. I mean, that we are with Schro- <laughs> we are Schrodinger's govern- government nice. right now. We are Schrodinger's system. I mean, n- n- again, yesterday, and I'm not trying to be too esoteric here, but we don't even know what the definition of serious any is anymore because of how we we started this conversation we all agree it's just a show which means that even if trump is impeached heck even if he's removed from office it doesn't matter it doesn't matter because this is all a show and the show will go on no matter what it may be lurching towards the left a little bit more fast than it is right now but it's still lurching to the left and until the status quo actually changes which in some respects very small respects i don't think you can question that some way it has But really, overall, the status quo has not changed in Washington, D.C. However, if you want to put a a gun to my head and answer the question that you asked, I would say it's probably more along the lines of the latter, meaning that the Democrats wanted to go here no matter what, because they've got a a crazy, bat crap, insane base to please and kvetch to. And this provides them an opportunity to do that. I think just Occam's razor applying it to this, it is uh, that one. Because, I, I mean, Shannon said as, as well, the transcript is, you know, it's, it's at best it's Trump being Trump. It's, it's not cool. It's not like, oh, wow, this is totally innocent. But it doesn't really necessarily, I don't think, rise to the level of impeachment. So that's where I apply Occam's razor in here. I'd say it, it definitely is just where the Democrats wanted to end up in 2019. All right, quickly on the exit question. If not when they hold a final impeachment vote in the Democrat-controlled House, I'm putting the over under on Republican House members that vote to impeach at three. Are you taking the over or the under? Aaron. Over. Todd. Under. Shannon. Over. It's over. It's over. You can just just look at every swing district where a Republican incumbent is retiring. And they're all retiring because they think Trump is going to cost them that district. The, the, all kinds of them would love to shove him the middle finger for taking their cushy job away from them on the way out the door. The, the number is absolutely over. It was a trap line. That's why I said it so low, okay? Because it was a trap line. There, there's, it's going to be more than three, all right? Um, hey, if you want to take advantage of plunging mortgage rates and a booming real estate market, uh, before you do that, right, timing is good, particularly right now. You know, we're into the fall now, all right? And... Uh, you know, folks are looking to maybe uh, the house has been on the market. They're maybe looking to take a deal they might not have taken, like say a month or two ago. Now's the time to roll. Just make sure you go you, that you that you roll with an agent that you can trust, and that's where realestateagentsitrust.com comes in. This company was started by Glenn Beck and some of his associates several years ago. Why? Because just like you. 
They ran into real estate agents who talked a good game and then didn't deliver the promised results. So they created a company that would be a national referral agency, not to, not to help agents find clients, but to help you find an agent worthy of having you for a client. And they don't get on real estate agents I trust unless they have proven to have a, a successful track record that's been vetted. Unless they understand that a marketing plan has to entail more than how about another open house this weekend? And they get what professional courtesy means. And it means if you promise me that you're going to do your best, if I'm trying to sell my home, you're not going to call me and say, hey, I've got a live one down the street. Can we come by in five minutes? All right, maybe that happens once. This is like the third time you violated that pledge, right? Hey, trust me, this is a stressful process. It's also very relational. You want to get with an agent, therefore, that you can trust. All great relationships are built on trust. All right. And for you to find the agent that you can trust, simply go to realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Todd, in light of what I threw in there at the end, you're the one that went under three. You want to rethink your prediction or are you going to stick with it? You still think it's under three? Yeah, I'm, I'm going with, uh, I, I, this, people are going to see this as the show. I'm going with total depravity. I see Amash standing by himself and yeah, he's not he's not in my count because he's not a Republican anymore. So I so he's not he's not counting towards my over under because he's not registered as a Republican right now as an independent. So he he wouldn't be part of it. It would be people that are actually with it seated I, in Congress or then are after I, their name. You don't believe me that there's a whole that, that the most of these people that are retiring because they think Trump is going to cost them their seat. You don't think they would flip him the middle finger on the, I don't the door? count them as Republicans either. Okay, so you're not counting them. What, what's at stake right. for them? That's uh, uh, that's cowardice. Okay. All right, people who have an R. Let me rephrase my question. Over under on people with an R after their name who are actively seated in Congress, who vote uh, to impeach Trump with the Democrats. I'm putting the over under at three. I'm not getting. To, I'm, I'm not. This is all. I'm not giving weight to this nonsense. Okay. I'm not. Well, you know we have to talk about topics. You no, know that, I'm not right? saying don't talk okay. about it. I'm not giving. I talk about it, but the, the talking about it is going to say this is a joke, and I'm just going to laugh at it. Okay. All right, when we come back, a rare win for the good guys. What lessons are to be learned? And what does it mean going forward? Stay tuned to find out. Hey, one last postscript on our roundtable before we get to the next topic. I just want to reiterate this again. I said it earlier this week, and I totally agree with what Todd said, that um, this Ukraine mess looks like it's going to, it could potentially drown Joe Biden. I, I don't think the left cares about that. I don't think that'll stop the Democratic Party at all. I think he has acceptable collateral damage to them. They realize he's damaged goods. I mean, it's we talked to our, our friend David Yepsen, one of the last true journalists left, and I asked him, am I out of bounds for saying I don't think he's fit for the job? And what did he tell us? Democrats are whispering this to themselves already. Um, this is uh, Joe Biden. If they lose Joe Biden in this in this story, that's to them. That's King David sending Uriah to the war <laughs> front. OK, agreed. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they're, they're after Bathsheba here. I mean, Uriah is acceptable collateral damage to them they, they don't care they, they don't think he's up for the task because candidacy's already taking on water and so i'm totally fine with bearing joe biden if he's guilty of stuff and his son hunter is guilty of anything that's a separate question okay 
the legality of that or culpability of that is a separate question. I, I am sp- simply speaking politically. If, 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 the, if the pro-Trump forces to stave this off is to say, are you really sure you want to go down this road because look what's going to happen to Biden? I don't, I, if, if you want to if, if stave off in, in, impeachment, now maybe they don't. I mean, they're raising huge money off of this I just read, okay? But if you want to stave off impeachment, that's not the tactic to do it. I don't think they care. They'll, they'll throw him overboard. I mean, I mean, they'll 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 hang him in, in effigy on Don Lemon tonight if that's what they have to do. All right, they'll suddenly rediscover all of his Dixiecrat Confederate friends. All right, if, if they don't, I don't think that will dissuade them at all. Before we get to our next topic, and and one of the things that's going to be part of this story is how some companies, particularly Anheuser Busch, immediately leapt to, oh no, the glitter the glitterati's after us. Oh no, the social media mob, because, you know, I'm guessing all kinds of social media mob folks and glitterati folks and cancel culture folks. Like, I'm sure when you're done saying fire this SNL guy for what he put on Twitter 10 years ago, you're like, hey, man, somebody grab me a Budweiser. Probably not. Okay. Okay. That's probably not your customer base. And probably the people donating to Carson King's, uh, I'm drinking Bush Light for the to, for sick kids. That's probably your customer base, and not Carol Hunter, fr- you know, furrowed brow incarnate at the Des Moines Register. Probably not your customer base, okay? And yet, what did you watch Anheuser Busch do? Faster than you can say Clydesdales, man. They dumped, they dunked on that guy. That's another reminder, corporate America, by and large, not on our team. When you can do business with people that share your values, take full advantage of it. It's really hard in America to live without a mobile phone these days. So how about one mobile phone company that gives you the same nationwide coverage as everybody else, but they take their profits and donate it to causes that you believe in. The only veteran-led conservative mobile phone company, Patriot Mobile. Plans starting as low as $25 a month, and right now you can still get that Moto Z3 Play for only five bucks a month, but they're running out, so don't wait, all right? Moto Z3 Play for five bucks, and you know what? We'll throw this one in as well. Um, they will waive the activation on up to two lines. They'll waive the activation fee on up to two lines when you use the offer code Blaze, promo code Blaze, patriotmobile.com slash Blaze, patriotmobile.com slash blaze if you're listening to us right now as you're driving and you're thinking i want to take advantage of that deal but you know i can't get online call this number 877-367-7524 you'll speak to somebody who's actually an american 877-367-7524 give them promo code blaze they'll give you the same offer over the phone as well let's get to issue three carson king A couple of weeks ago, ESPN's flagship college football program, College Game Day, went to Ames, Iowa for the annual game between Iowa State and the University of Iowa. During the program, an Iowa State fan by the name of Carson King held up a sign asking for money so he could buy some bush light. Well, he got some money after people used the money transfer app Venmo to send him hundreds of dollars in just a few hours. King announced he'd be donating all the proceeds to the University of Iowa's Children's Hospital. And then things really took off. Over the last couple of weeks, Bush Light announced they'd match funds donated to King and Venmo announced they'd do the same thing. Because of a sign asking for beer money, it didn't take long before over a million dollars were raised to help sick kids. 
Then Wednesday happened. The Des Moines Register decided to do a profile on Carson King and his amazing story. Des Moines Register reporter Aaron Calvin then dug up some old tawdry tweets sent by Carson King from when he was 16 years old. After those tweets were brought up and Carson and King apologized, Anheuser-Busch announced they were cutting ties with King and his charity campaign. So to sum all this up, a random dude with a funny sign on TV inadvertently raised over a million dollars to help sick kids. And the Des Moines Register did all they could to destroy him over tweets he composed when he was in high school. By the way, to top all of this off, that Des Moines Register reporter responsible for all this, Aaron Calvin, has numerous tweets from his past that were dug up in response. But that wasn't the end of the story. The backlash to the Des Moines Register from around the country, and especially in Iowa, was fierce. And the Register announced last night they are apparently changing their operating procedures regarding stories like this. And that reporter, Aaron Calvin, is no longer with the paper. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds announced during all this fallout that this Saturday will be known as Carson King Day in the state. And the total amount that King raised for the University of Iowa Children's Hospital spiked during this episode, with a total now sitting at $1.8 million. So first question, now that I'm going to switch the first question, because now that we have some form of a resolution to this, I I want to have a different conversation. Okay. And when we put together the rundown for this, we didn't we didn't know how that this we were going to get some resolution and it may not be satisfying in and of itself but we'll discuss that the red to me you saw the des moines register do something that these arrogant and loathsome newsrooms are are beyond hesitant to do admit any form of weakness now i know what your read on this todd is and i've got several people on my own social media accounts who share your read okay but this is the first time that we have had any successful pushback against cancel culture, which it wasn't known like that in 2012. That's the name we've given it. Um, let's go back and put it, find out what you've done on social media and destroy you. This trend has been going on with baseball, college basketball, Grammys, etc. Right? I would argue this is the first successful pushback we have had against this since Chick-fil-A in 2012. You could somewhat you could somewhat argue the NFL kind of learned a lesson, but but it, it just kind of phased itself out. If that makes sense, ESPN kind of phased out the Jamel Hill yeah. era. Okay, this is the first time that we have gotten, and when I mean a victory, people who may not even agree with us on issues to stand up and say this is insanity. We can't have a country like this. Hell to the no. Right? How, do you think everybody that stood in line at Chick-fil-A in 2012 is, was against gay marriage? Because I certainly don't. I just think they're against this. They recognize this is bad. Now, I agree that the response from the register is not the level of genuflection you had hoped for. But, but I'm not looking at them. I'm looking at a, a layer of people who I know, I know some of these people. They don't agree with us on issues. And they helped lead the charge on this. Yes. To yeah. me, that's a victory for sanity. I understand it's not an ultimate win. This is not, it's week one of a season, all right? And you don't win the Super Bowl in week one. And if you win in week one, the people who don't like you, your opponents, don't say, well, they're the best team. Let's just stop playing the rest of the schedule. The season is not over. But I also don't believe you don't take the W either. Take, when the the game is over and you've got more points on the scoreboard and you're the underdog in the fight, win. Take the win. I, I view this as a huge win for us, one that we need to learn some lessons from. 
And one of those is if we provide a safe harbor, and what do I mean by that? You don't have to become an evangelical Republican to agree with me that this is insane. If we give people a platform other than love Donald Trump as much as I do, or whoever the next Republican superstar is, if we give them a platform to be sane other than you can't access it unless you agree with me on everything else, I I think we learned this week that there are all kinds of people that if they're forced to be confronted with how dark this element of the left in America has gone, they will stand up to it. Now, our job as a movement is to, is to, is to capitalize on this momentum and not let it be a one-off. And, and the next time this comes up again and again and go back to these same people and say, hey, remember when you stood up against this in this case? Same thing's happening over here. And show them that this is systemic. This is not the outlier here. But that, to me, is the next phase of this, the lesson to learn. But as an isolated incident, I think it's a huge win. Todd. Please, please be right. But if we're doing a buy-seller hold on this, I am firmly in the hold uh, camp because I, I, I can't argue w- with you on that. But this was so—the reason we have people in our camp, this is so obvious— Cancer kids in a hospital. We talk about things that are we should think should be obvious all the time, but the rest of the culture puts dumps into a gray area, and that's clearly what the the red register is uh, relying on here. They they are lying to you now as we speak. This there would have been no investigation at all had not this reporter had his track record uh, that he did. They wouldn't. They 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 resent the fact that we are now holding them to us. That that whole thing about we are your trust is open. They trust me. They don't care. They love being condescending. They count on that. That's what gets them up in the morning. They're lying to you about uh, those background checks that are all routine. Uh, Steve and I have both worked there. Oh, we know people. Who, that's a lie. They're, yeah, they're going to keep doing them. They, yeah. they, they, and they're, but they're only Do you think if the person who held up a different kind of sign that wasn't kind of, you know, rural, like uh, a bush light thing, but was more in the in, high on the intersectionality scale, do you think they would have done this? No, this this entire they were still ta- every time they talk about the money that's increasing continues to be raised. They keep framing it amidst controversy. You caused the controversy. The whole thing is about you. They're, they tr- trust me. No lessons have been learned. They just hate you even more. And since that drives everything, I'm gonna hold until I see. When I talk about lessons learned, I'm not talking about them. They're gone. As far as sanity. that's a dark sanity. Soul. I'm talking, talking about sanity. sanity. Team yeah. sanity's lessons if we're learned. Ta- if we're talking yes. about that, if I can insert myself here, if yep. we're talking, because I have been wrestling with this this morning. If we're talking about sanity, uh, sanity, I would say it is definitely win. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's a huge win, but it definitely is a win because of all of the leftists and progressives, uh, you know, Hawkeye fans. Uh, and media personalities that I've been fo- that I follow on Twitter all the time. I just I put up with their crap during most of the year, and then during the football season, they become a better following. All of those guys in unity, all of them were just trashing the register this week. All of them. so I agree. As far as sanity goes, this is definitely a win for that. As far as as far as the media, do you think that this for one no. second the fact. The fact that Aaron Calvin got fired for his past tweets, do you think for one second that that's going to dissuade nope. any other little pipsqueak reporter Absolutely not. from uh, the uh, Cleveland print plane dealer nope. to the Tacoma, you know, time? Uh, that's not going to because of what Todd said. 
These people think they are better. They believe they are better than you. Not only do they believe they are better than you, they think you are the lowest form yeah. of trash. And so they cannot stop and they will not stop. They, the only way that this is not going to have an impact is if what we saw this week continues to happen. And this is an outlier. This this part of the story, though, is an outlier that we really have not talked about too much this week, Steve. And that is the fact that this is the first instance of something like this happening where a media outlet dropped a deuce in their own backyard. Correct. That has not happened before. And we saw right. what the uh, fallout from that is. Yeah, like, like, was like with the Brewers the pitcher, paper. it wasn't the Milwaukee Sentinel. <laughs> with the with the with with the Villanova basketball player, it wasn't the Philadelphia Inquirer. It was USA Today yep. that did that. Okay. You're right. That, that did add an extra layer to this is the local people now doing this in their own community. That's a good point, Aaron. Here's the tell for me. All those people you're talking about are right. They're saying that uh, coming to the defense of the Bush light guy and saying, uh, you know, this is wrong. But the, you know what they're also saying in the same breath? Gosh, and it's it's just such... The, 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 I, mean, I also feel sorry for all the other reporters yeah, over there yeah, who do so true. much good work yeah. and there's so much good journalism See, just, and most of it is good. No, yeah, it's not. That's just virtue it, That's signal. a lie. It's mostly like this. It you're actually right. is you're mostly right. like you're, this. You're right, but... They have to be shown this. Oh, I agree. Most Americans think schools suck, but their school board is great. Most Americans think Congress sucks, but their congressperson is great. Most Americans think the media is biased, but the particular media platform that they know people that work at or they read is great. You're going to have to show them this. I, I agree. We agree on that. But okay. I'm saying when they come out and say, no, we've, de- we've developed, we're going to look at developing policy. This why, wasn't about bad policy. It never was. Which is why the next time they do this, we go back to, we remember all these names. And we go back to those very same people and say, where are you at when they're, I thought, I thought these were, this was an outlier. Shannon, quickly, you get the last word. Go ahead. Well, this is something that I've been calling for for quite some time, but because I believe that Washington, D.C. is completely broken, that the two parties are absolutely the same. The way that we defeat the left and battle back is locally and in our own backyard. And so we need men with chests. We need people to continue to call these people out and to expose them and to to stand up from a local and a state level. And so, you know, in order to do that, we have to be consistent. But I do think that the mood in the country is ready for a new second party a new movement. Both Democrats and Republicans are sick of the sideshow. They think both parties are, are completely corrupt. And I think that from a marketing perspective, and I've been a marketer for quite some years, uh, there this is, this is a marketing opportunity. You have a population of people ready for something new. Mm-hmm. But the key is that we absolutely have to be consistent. And that's going to mean uh, going up against our own political party and even President Trump at times. But the most important thing is for us to do the right thing and to be consistent at all times. That will win over uh, Democrats. Aaron, do you have a killer intro for this topic? It's next? really, really short. Okay. Issue four, your most terrible social media post. Pumpkin spice, all the things. That's it. That's the intro. <laughs> all right. If you had, what, what, what is the dumbest social media post from your past? That could very well get you exposed and embarrassed today, Todd. Oh, this actually happened. When I was working at the Des Moines Register, I posted a Newsweek cover that had Obama with the halo on it, and it said the second coming on it. So on my page, I which I didn't have blocked or anything, I posted, so is it officially a cult now? And I was, I was not speaking as a conservative. I was raising the question, somebody... It's just like this. Somebody reported me in the newsroom, outside in the newsroom, and they did a story on me in City View and tried to get me fired. Well done. Shannon, quickly. 
Radio ready. So when I first launched my show about seven, six and a half years ago, um, I wanted to reach out to a female audience. So I would post, I have about a hundred or so pictures of my outfit every day before I went on the radio. It's absolutely ridiculous. I go back. I'm so embarrassed, but anyone can find them. They're awful. Yeah, that does sound a little embarrassing. Anyway, pumpkin spice, all the things. Aaron. This one is really, 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 really cringy. Back when I was like 14 or 15, for some reason, I just thought it would be hilarious to put like a random picture of something random as my profile picture. And I had like a, 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 a oh, I'm, boy, I'm drawing a blank. The thing that the firefighters hook into a fire hydrant. I had a fire hydrant as a profile picture. It's really cringy. Actually, the fact you thought that was cringy is making me cringe. Actually. It is cringy. Yeah, all right. Let's get to predictions. Aaron, I'm going to let you go first because you've got to make up for that. Clemson go is going to drop a game before the end of the regular season. Okay. They're going to be like a four-touchdown favorite in every game. So that'd be a big upset. Todd? Uh, I'm going to reset something you did a long time ago about uh, Trump's children. I think Biden's children are going to come way closer to getting going to jail than Trump's children ever were. Shannon? Because I'm an upstate New York girl, I think the Buffalo Bills are going to destroy the Patriots on Sunday. So I, I'm going to I'm gonna reset a prediction I made several weeks ago because literally as we were broadcasting in this hour, it came true. I told you all along, I didn't believe the hype. Spider-Man leaving the MCU. It's leaving the MCU days. I, I can't get it. No, this is all, this is how these companies are going to negotiate nowadays. That's the change in social media. Is they're gonna they're not they're gonna leverage each other via their social media mobs and sick each other on them. And lo and behold, what has just broken news in the last hour? Sony and Marvel agree uh, to, to come up with an agreement to at least keep Spider Man in the MCU through Spider Man Three, which is coming out in 2021, two full years. Which means they'll be they're gonna reference him in all the other movies that they're gonna be making until then. He was never leaving the MCU, guys. I was right. Well Told done. Uh, you got me really, really concerned there for a minute because I thought your prediction was about uh, the Madden curse and Patrick Mahomes. That was going to be my original prediction. I thought I missed something. And I'm like, oh, crap, the no. season's over. Sweet. Oh. Well, I, actually, I'm going to save that one. But you know what? I'll throw that out there because it's lame to go back on your own prediction. It's kind of an Aaron McIntyre move. When you get one right, make that your repeat prediction. All right. So the Madden cover jinx will eventually crush the Chiefs and Pat Mahomes at some point this season. Do not mess with the Madden cover jinx at some point. Shannon, good to see you again. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. We'll come back. Hour two. It's Feedback Friday. It's your turn next year on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. And we're back. Hour two, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here, Todd Erz and Aaron McIntyre. If you'd like to join us, 888-933-93. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. By the way, if you are listening to us today via podcast, thank you. Uh, but if you wouldn't mind taking a couple of minutes out of your day to leave us a five-star review wherever you choose to podcast from, we would be very very grateful because the more of those we get, the more the algorithms like us, the more they help us to find more people like you. And then therefore, the more likely it is we'll get to continue to do this for a living. Thousands of you have left us five-star reviews already all over the interwebs. Thank you. Please keep them coming. All right. Feedback Friday brought to you by our friends over at RidUZone who want you to know that there might be a reason that you haven't thought of 
while you're struggling to meet your weight loss goals, especially now that you are being committed to activity. And maybe that's been what's been holding you back in the past. However, um, here's the here's the double-edged sword. When you get more active, you get hungrier too, right? And it gets even harder now to confront uh, and control your, your calorie count, um, your portion sizes, your cravings. You know why? Your body was made like that. that. That's how your creator designed your body. It's been only within the last century or so that food was considered conveniently available to the masses, right? And, and there's still even places in 2019 all over the world where that's not the case. But for thousands of years, it wasn't the case anywhere in the world except among the, uh, the 1%. And so that's why your body was made to both um, conserve and then crave calories. So how do you balance this? Well, your creator also put a little molecule in your body called OEA. And basically, it, it, it just sends, hey, we're all full here, signal from the belly to the brain. And so the, the brain then does what it's supposed to do to regulate your metabolic rate. Unfortunately, for too many of us, though, that signal just ain't strong enough, especially after so many years of ignoring it. So if you want to do something about that, give Riduzone a try. That's all Riduzone is, is OEA. That's why it's FDA accepted, vegan friendly, gluten free, no additives, no preservatives, no caffeine, stimulants, chemicals. It's just OEA to help you get back control of your appetite. And right now you can try it with my name, Steve, as a promo code, get 30% off a three month supply. 30% off a three-month supply at riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E for riduzone.com. Feedback Friday time, where we get back to uh, you after you got back to us, your responses to us, and then we respond in kind. Steve at stevedace.com. That's how you can email us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. This is from John. You've mentioned uh, before how you've homeschooled your, how you guys homeschooled your kids early on. I'm a conservative-minded man looking to start a family of my own soon. However, I'm in the belly of the beast out here in New York. Between the academia agenda and the stereotypical attitudes of young New York parents, I've toyed with the idea of homeschooling our future children, even though it's frowned up, it's very frowned upon over here. I wanted to pick your brain to get a sense of how you first decided to go this route. And what was your mission, so to speak? How intense was that commitment? Where did you start? What was the structure like? Were there any lessons you learned, et cetera? Now, maybe you guys have covered this before, but uh, and it, it, it might not even be the right move for me, but I want to have as much information at my disposal to make an informed decision as I can. So, John, um, for us, when, when, um, when Anna was about our oldest, who just graduated in June, when she was uh, about a year away from schooling age, you start thinking of these decisions. And I was making about uh, 35, 40 grand a year. And I was the only breadwinner in our home. And we had a mortgage. And Amy has, has much more education than I do. We, and she tried to go back to work after Anna was born and really thought she was going to be able to pull it off. And then the first time we got a word from the daycare, hey, here's what you missed your child did for the first time today. She was at a tap out. (laughs) She's like, I I just can't do it, you know? And so, you know, I'm I'm all for that, but it also means we're going to have to, you know, uh, pinch some pennies uh, in order to make that work with me as the sole breadwinner. So we get to about Anna's schooling age. Now you start thinking about education options. We could not afford um, a, a private education, a private Christian education on our current budget. And I didn't think we could afford subjecting our kids uh, to be, you know, objects of the culture war in the government schools. 
Well, and, and Amy had been doing a bunch of research into homeschooling, and she's like, well, you're not leaving me many options here. If we're not going to send her down the street, uh, the, you know, we just don't have the money to do a private uh, Christian education. So, you know, what about homeschooling? And uh, some people we knew, uh, in, uh, we ended up knowing very well. We didn't know them at the time. They just knew of me for being on the local radio. Uh, they, they offered me to come to the homeschooling, our family to come to the homeschooling convention. They were on the board of directors um, for the Christian Homeschooling Association here in Iowa. And um, they gave us a free ticket to go to the, the event. And I had all the stereotypes going in, man. You know, I, last I'd heard about homeschooling, you had that 12-year-old that won the spelling bee in the mid nineties. Do you remember that chick <laughs> where it looks like, I mean, it, it, it looks yeah. like she's either given birth or conceiving a child. Um, I mean, just socially awkward. Okay. You know, what I, am? Hey. I mean, it's like the double rainbow guy. Double rainbow. I'm like, I am not raising that kid. All right. I mean, I thought homeschooling kids looked at you with two eyes. You're laughing. It's true. Why not just say, I don't know why we are, why we won't just say the stuff we all think and say when the microphone's on, not on anyway. Right. We were all thinking it right. It's true. It's true. I'm like, I'm not raising a kid who's going to look at me like they got both eyes out of the same socket with a unibrow. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing it. You know, and then I also thought that if I homeschooled my kid, I would have to learn how to grind my own cornmeal and put Amy in a doily full-time with a denim skirt. And I'm like, hey, that's how you want to roll. You know, that's cool. Um, you can be as Amish as you want to be, but, you know, I, I, I work in electronic media, you know, horse and buggy, not an option for me. I, I just can't do that, you know. If you tweeted any of this stuff, you would be investigated by the register. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we went to this convention and I thought for sure that was all I was going to say. And there was some of that. But um, there were a lot more people that were similar to us, kind of wrestling with the same decisions that we were wrestling with as a young family. Um, and that kind of started to put me at ease. I liked what a lot of the speakers had to say. Um, you know, there were some that I thought were the, uh, what's the right description? Um, overly intense. And can I just say... You if, have a problem with overly if, intense? If, if I think you're overly <laughs> intense, all right? You know what I'm saying? If I'm walking in there and thinking, I, I really think this guy this needs guy. a beer, right? <laughs> I, I don't drink. I don't even drink, really. You know, if, so if, if I'm walking in there thinking, so you and your wife haven't had any time away in a while, you know what I'm saying? Then I'm thinking this might, you might be taking yourself and this whole thing a little tad seriously. Like, like uh, we always talk about Folks, you know, trying to be nicer than God, don't try to be more serious and intense than God at the same time. If you know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah. I mean, we don't, God doesn't need us to add to his law, doesn't need us to take it away, doesn't need us to try to be nicer than him. How, do you, how are you nicer than for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son? You can't be nicer than that, right? Also, you can't be, you, you, you don't try to out-intense God, out-judge God, okay? He, just, you know, kind of follow his lead maybe, just go with that, you know? And, but mo there were a few like that, but most of them I thought were tremendous. So, uh, so I'm, I'm at ease. But then you start asking yourself, can you do this though? Like, can you, cause you don't, I don't want to raise an idiot either. Can you really do this? And the final, um, so you might not raise somebody who's socially awkward. They might have great values and everything else. And they might not be a, prepared to be a, an adult in the world and sustain themselves and make a living with any kind of discernible skill. So when we the final selling point for me was when we went into the curriculum hall i was blown away by how 
uh, diverse it was. And when I say diverse, I don't mean, and here's the rainbow section. I mean, like in terms of the, the, the curriculum that was available and the challenging levels of it. And what the final, the final sell for me is we went over to the, the social science portion of the curriculum hall. This is now you're in my wheelhouse now. And I'm starting to pull out books that are from the, that are for the eighth and ninth graders. And I looked at Amy and I'm like, I, if I, I could not just take this test. I'd have to, I'd have to study this book. I mean, I, you couldn't, you couldn't just say, Hey, here's the test from this book. How would you do? And I could do it. I, I'd have to study this book. And then I started thinking, you know, about one of my all-time favorite books, Animal Farm. And there, for many years of my life, I would read it on an annual basis just to r- never forget what Sovietism was. Well, one of the things that happens at Animal Farm is um, Napoleon, who is Stalin, Napoleon takes the young Doberman pitchers away when they're puppies. And this is, this is reminiscent of how totalitarians always program the children to unleash on their parents later, right? The whole thing's a metaphor, the book is. And so Napoleon, who's Stalin, takes the young Doberman pitchers away from their parents and, and, and raises them by himself. And then eventually when they become of age, they're going to be his KGB. They're his secret police. They're who he's, he sicks on everybody in the, on the farm that isn't, isn't down with to clown with, with uh, potentate Stalin. And I thought, you know, what do you do that in reverse? What if you could like use this curriculum and stuff to teach your kids all the stuff they've removed from the, from the government schools? And then when they're adults, sick them on an unsuspecting pagan populace later on. And, and here's how I know that this worked with us. So my oldest, who is a carbon copy of me, is in a, is in a bit of a state of rebellion right now. Right? She's 18 and she, she's an assistant manager at a store in the mall and she's financially independent. And so she's in this state of rebellion. I think you have talked in the past, you went through this as well as a homeschooled kid, right? About oh, yeah. that same age, yep. okay? And, and, but what's funny is, she's in this state of rebellion. And, and it's kind of funny, her, you know, because we're really close. And so we're also so much alike. I know all of, the, all of the things she's trying to use to bait me, and I won't take the bait. And it, that's almost frustrating her all the more. <laughs> all right. Um, is this like that new movie coming out with Will Smith, with the old Will Smith and the new Will Smith, a the Gemini bit. Man? It's, this it's is what your bit. life? It's, it's a little bit. But here's how I know what Amy and I wanted to do worked. Because even though she's in this rebellious phase right a little bit right now, she also comes home and complains about, she's got a male coworker. Who's a, she's like, this guy's a grown-ass man, and I got to tell him what to do. I'm, I'm, I'm 18 years old. He's 21. And he's like, I've got, I'm having a bad day emotionally. Do your job. All right, and and where does Bernie Sanders think we're going to get free this and free that? And what's f- hilarious, and I'm not saying a word because uh, I know she's I know she she's looking for a leg- she has like no legitimate reasons to rebel, like none. All right, none. She has like none. But but I don't want to give her one, so I'm just I'm 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 like just sitting back, letting this whole thing play out, which I got to admit is very hard for me. <laughs> But I'm letting it play out because I know if I know she's like me. And if the minute I put my thumb on the scale, I know what's going to happen. Right. So I'm, I am just sitting back, watching events unfold, which is not in my line of, you know, but I'm doing it. 
all right? Doing the self-control thing. But what's funny is, in spite of her, her the, the, the little rebellion phase she's going through right now, do you know the stuff that is really ticking her off most in life? All of the values and the ideas that we taught her homeschooling her that are missing from the government schools today. That's how you know, in a, in a, that's in a way I'm almost more comforted by that than I would be if she walked out of here right at 18 and was just a drone, just repeating mom and dad's talking points like we had programmed her. What it, it shows that she's working, some, that some of this did take. And then she went out into the real world and saw, you know, mom and dad may not be these closed-minded which for some of you who constantly complain that I am not, uh, I'm not uh, Christiany enough for you. That's that's by far the overwhelming complaint I get in my inbox. It's not even close, you know. But when 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 you raise a daughter who's a performer, then when she goes to these playhouses and stuff all around the state, I am you know Ebenezer Scrooge. I I am Ken Ham. I am. Uh, you know what I'm saying? You have an ark in your backyard. Yes, yes. All right. Now, I know to some of you, because we get those emails constantly. I can't believe you're, you know, you're so good defending the faith, and then you say and do blank. But in the circles my oldest daughter runs in, I am, you know, I, I'm I'm as fundy as fundy as you want to be. I'm Methuselah, man. Pat okay? Robertson, straight up. Yes, yes. Good analogy. And so it's funny now to watch her engage this other part of the culture, and then come home and complain because the values she was raised with that have served her well up until this point in life, no, the people around her aren't living by these and, it, and they don't have her work ethic. They don't do this. And, and I'm just telling you that that would not have happened if we had sent her to the, um, to the government schools. Now, I, I've said all along, I'm a huge advocate of homeschooling, but it's not easy, right? And it is a full-time gig. It, you know, usually the mom is, a lot of this is going to fall on her if the dad works outside the home and the mom is at home. So, you know, my first point to you, John, would be Mrs. John. I don't know what your last name is, but you better make sure Mrs. John is in the, is into this 100% because she's going to do a lot of the heavy lifting here. Um, So it's not easy, but we loved it. It was. It had its challenges, like everything else, but it was also very rewarding. Now, this year, our youngest Noah is attending seventh grade at Des Moines Christian, and it's simply because the extracurricular interest and stuff that he has, we just can't emulate that in the homeschooling community. So we sent him there this year, and it's he's a month into the school year and absolutely loves it. Um, Zoe has expressed interest in going to Des Moines Christian in high school. Uh, and depending on if, if we see that she has the, she shows a similar independent work ethic this year. She's kind of on academic probation with us this year. Hey, you've got to show, because here's the cool thing. Yes, it's true. Our, you know, we may get up nine, our school may not start till nine, 10, 11 o'clock. It might go the middle of the afternoon. Because, and you get a lot, you still get a lot of work done because you're only schooling one kid as opposed to a classroom of 30 some odd kids. But, Zoe needs to show us that she can get up every morning at seven o'clock and be ready to go. She has never had to do that in her entire life yet. 
So she's kind of on academic probation this year. If she wants to go to Des Moines Christian for her sophomore year of high school, then she has to show us this year that she's independent enough to be able to manage that kind of a more regimented work schedule or, or, or life schedule than she's had to deal with before. So I, I don't think it's one size fits all. Um, I think you have to be, I think almost anywhere in America, you have to be extremely hesitant about putting your kids in the government schools unless you plan on policing them and, and are going to actively be involved in downloading with them on a daily basis. Okay. Because they're, they're totally overtaken. I understand, though, some people can't do that financially. I understand people have special needs kids that need a certain kind of specialized education that they can't do on the, in the home, and the professional sector offers those things. You're, you're, you're always going to have um, rural districts and you know, places like that that are not totally given over to the pagan revelry, but I also would not just put that in cruise control either because eventually the locusts will make their way to your neighborhood. They will not stay satisfied with the 15% of counties Hillary Clinton won. They're, they're eventually going to make it your way. These This movement is deconstructionist in nature. It seeks to taint, tarnish, and destroy uh, on, an, on an affirmative level. It's actively, not, it's actively seeking targets to do that with, okay? But um, I'm a huge advocate of it, but I also don't think it's the only way to go either. I think that's a, a decision that each and every family has to make. Aaron, you were the homeschooled kid. What would you say to John? You're on the other end of this. Kind of. That's a really, really well thought off, uh, th- thought out um, uh, explanation kind of of your thought process. I would say first and foremost, if you can homeschool, I would say do it. Uh, there were there would be a, a few things, though, of course, along the lines of, of what you were saying that you need to take into consideration regarding the can part of that. Can, again, like you were saying, is this something that you and your spouse are capable of? Is it really something that they're cap- that you're capable of? Because it doesn't even matter if it's best for your kid necessarily if if you're not going to be able to effectively... Uh, teach them. So that's the first consideration. The second consideration is um, it's it might be uh, that just, you know, apart from the government indoctrination, that homeschooling is just going to be best for your child. And I would say most of the cases that is true, just because you're going to have a lot more just by the nature of how many people are in the classroom uh, at a public school versus at home, you, you're going to have a lot more one-on-one time with that kid. They're going to be nurtured the way they need to be, not just shoved into or shoehorned into a mold that seems to happen a lot at, at the public school level. And then the third thing is, and this is uh, becoming less and less of a consideration, but it is still a major consideration. Once you decide to homeschool, it is it is something that, that I think it's probably best to commit to. And committing to that means financially, is, is that something that you can do? And you mentioned uh, pin, pinching pennies. And um, you can get curriculum a lot of times secondhand, or at least textbooks and things like that secondhand. Or you can make copies of, of test material and things like that. But it is, it is a huge commitment, and you're still paying the same amount of taxes that you were before to the local public mm-hmm. school. So that's definitely a kind of a big consideration uh, as well. Two other considerations uh, that, that, that come into play with this, and these are kind of 
good considerations. You have talked about this uh, multiple times in the past uh, regarding you taking your children to the gym with you. One of the things that my dad was concerned about when we first started homeschooling was how much exercise. There's no PE class, you know, um, when you homeschool. So exercise is one thing. And then another thing, uh, which never ended up being an issue for us because in high school, all of us played sports to one degree or another. And so that kind of, you know, bridged the gap there, uh, so to speak. And then the other consideration is, is this. Uh, where I grew up, it was a rural area, not a ton of homeschoolers around, so there wasn't really um, a, a co-op around either. Mm-hmm. So I would ask, too, depending on where you live, if you're in New York, which I believe he was, uh, the, 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 the listener who emailed in, uh, chances are you are going to be a part of a church or maybe there's going to be a co-op around just by nature of how many people are on the East Coast. But the social interaction part, uh, let's not let's not again. I mean, we can joke around about it, and it is funny. And I've met I've met those stereotypes before. Those stereotypes are w- real, though. I mean, you need social interaction and skills. It's not really something that I really bloomed or blossomed into until I was probably middle of college. Uh, and still, I'm not. And that's I'm debatable. Not, and that's that's very debatable. <laughs> um, but you know, how's that fire hydrant for your <laughs> avatar? Uh, you know, the haters gonna hate, 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 and the uh, yeah, gonna fake, fake. Taylor fake, Swift's fake, one fake, of your favorite albums. Baby, yes. I'm just gonna shake, 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 shake. Shake, shake it off, shake it off. Anyway, social interaction. <laughs> Double down, triple down. <laughs> no, um, no, the social interaction part. Do you have a, a youth group, a strong youth program at your church? Is there a strong co-op? Are you willing to make the extra effort to make it to those things, to make sure that your, your kids do have friends? And every kid is different. Some of them are extroverts, even at a young age. Some of them are introverts and don't really need that many friends around. But developing that social interaction and uh, not being too um, inadvertently sheltering to mm-hmm. your kids, that's a huge part of that. That's a great point because that was also a factor for us with Noah in that he was the only boy. We have three kids. Most for, uh, We're a small family for most of your typical homeschooling families. Our, the size of our family would be on the smaller side. And, um, and so with me working outside the home, Noah was with women all day long and constantly. And now that he's 12 years old, you know, there's a certain, and you know this, if you've raised boys, there comes a time now where your, your, your polarity, your tactics have to change a little bit to turn that once adorable little dude into a, into a man capable of leading, protecting, defending, providing for uh, a family and, and to be relied upon. Uh, at, at later in life. And, and I don't mean you have to be like some kind of old school, you know, jerk face. Okay. But it, you're, it, he's not always, you know, to be the man he has to be that God made him to be. Not everybody's gonna say please and thank you and affirm your instincts and emotions all the time. Well, that put us in a situation where we are in a neighborhood where there were not a lot of other homeschoolers. Number one, I, I'm gone during the day. Number two, but then when I come home at night and I could see this was beginning to happen, if, you know, nature abhors a vacuum. If he's not going to have a peer group to compete with, guess who he's going to compete with? Me. And sometimes that's okay. You know, if, if, if your son is the kind of one that like me that responds to negative reinforcement, hey, I don't think you're good enough. I don't think you can do that. Great. My son's not. My son needs dad to be his encourager. All right. Um, because if, 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 if dad is always challenging him when the come, time comes later that dad has to drop the hammer, 
then he's less inclined to respond to it. So he needed me to be more of a support system because he's not, even though he looks a lot like me, he's wired almost exactly like his mama. So if, if dad's not going to be the one all the time that is challenging you on that level, then you're going to have to find a peer group that does it. And that was the other reason why we put him in there so that he would have to compete with other boys all the time for grades, girls, everything. Okay. And I'm just gonna tell you right now, I, I don't know that it's possible to put a boy in a position to compete too much. But I, I would err on the side of finding out if that is true. You put a man, you put, you put anybody with a penis in a situation where for a prolonged period, they realize I can get what I want without having to compete. I'm telling you, the clock is ticking on some kind of a disaster. You, do you have anything you want to add to this? Well, I, after hearing you, first, the joke, which was low-hanging fruit aside on Aaron, uh, Aaron's ability to dude at the age he dudes uh, compared to when Steve and I were that age, I mean, yes, light years, light years ahead. So, man, that's a testimony to homeschool right there. In terms of, Thank you for that affirmation. You it's true. It. I mean, I can't yeah, give yeah. you any better affirmation <laughs> than I have put the ability for me to perform my livelihoods, my livelihood, how I feed my family, how I feed, help you feed your family. Mm -hmm. All right. We, we have, I've put everything, you know, um, my support mechanism that, that put me in the position to have the career that I now have. All of that is my ability. I've put to, to fulfill those, 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 those objectives is entirely in the hands of a, of a, of this 25 year old young man over here or 26 year old young man over here. So I can't, you know, I can't give you any better affirmation than that level of trust. And that's one thing homeschool, regular education all too often. It, it, it prolongs adolescence yeah. way too long. So yeah. I, and Aaron's a testament to that. And Steve, I just like, you know, Steve is competitive and uh, can be uh, rigid in the pursuit of truth. But when it comes to his family and his flexibility on this, that's one thing about homeschoolers. They often get, this isn't your faith. It's homeschooling. You don't, you don't need to be stuck to a dogma that fits to every single kid and even every single kid in your own family. So I'm echo echoing something Steve already said, not just based on gender. Every single kid is different. Some may need homeschooling for five years. Some may need it the whole way through or desire it. You go into it with a level of flexibility. This, that just don't make the mistake of turning it into your faith an idol and when i talked at the very beginning of this about some speakers that that were a little that's like 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 if you're not homeschooling your kids but particularly doing it this way yeah then you yeah. really aren't loving your family the way jesus would want you to all right i'm anytime and i might even agree with all of his criticisms that would let that lent me to making the decision with my wife for us to do it but anytime you put a standard on something that that god did not put on that I'm going to, even if I agree with most of your rest of your analysis, you're going to get, you're going to make an opponent out of me. Again, don't try to out nice God. Don't try to out, uh, out love God. Don't try to out tough, out discipline God at the exact same time. Okay. So great conversation there. Um, and I get questions like that all the time. So I'm sure there were other people that have those questions too. All right. Um, if you are asking questions like, how do I get rid of this chronic pain in my body? Uh, you've been fighting this inflammation for far too long. You're like millions of Americans doing the exact same thing. I was one of you. And before I came to work here, I thought when I'd appear on shows on the blaze as a guest and the host would rave about relief factor. I was like, is it really that good? Yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, this is a daily part of my regimen and I can't tell you how much of an improvement it's made in my own quality of life. Um, and, and they're so confident in their product, all key natural ingredients, no hundred percent drug free. They're so confident in this that they offer a starter kit three weeks for a dollar a day, 20 bucks to see if it'll work for you. You know that they're confident when they're offering it to you like that up front, that they really, the more confident a company is about their product, the less they usually ask you for up front thinking, you know, well, I don't have to ask for much up front. We know what we're selling here and we'll have them on the back end as a long-term customer. That's the way Relief Factor thinks about its product. And I can tell you as a daily loser, or user, I'm a loser too, but as a daily user for months, they should feel that confident. Go to relieffactor.com right now and get that starter kit. relieffactor.com. Start winning the war against inflammation in your body at relieffactor.com. More Feedback Friday in a moment. Hey, be careful with all those robocalls going around right now, offering you pre-approved credit cards, loans, etc. Uh, these are often attempts by scammers to get a hold of your personal information. And while you may have identity theft protection, so they can't maybe take out a, a, a credit card or a PayPal account in your name, one of the things they do once they get your identity uh, is they then go to third parties and and try to rob you from there. For example, one of the main ways they're doing this is called home title fraud because a lot of our mortgages and home titles are pretty much all kept online nowadays. And so they, they get your personal information. They log in uh, to these databases claiming they're you, make it look like they sold, you sold your home to them. And then they start liquidating your equity, sticking you with payments, late fees, maybe even foreclosure notices. So your identity theft protection cannot protect you uh, neither can your bank or mortgage lender from something the FBI is warning people about right now. Um, although that may not be a selling point given the current state of the FBI. <laughs> All right, but nonetheless, protect your most valuable investment with HomeTitleLock.com. And right now they're offering 60 risk-free days of protection. That's two full months, 60 risk-free days of protection at HomeTitleLock.com. And when you go there, put in your address and find out, has my home already been targeted or tampered with? At HomeTitleLock.com. All right, back to Feedback Friday we go. This is from Andrew Hansen in Glastonbury, Connecticut. How do we confront the lies and slanders and the, politiza the politization of tragedies um, while also being gracious and merciful. It is something I struggle with, as you rightly, rightfully gleaned when you did your reaction uh, to my review of Truth Bombs a number of months ago when I sent it to you. I see Christian friends and acquaintances who belong to left America, and they're spreading hate, smears, and misrepresentations of what is or is not biblically acceptable about those who reside in what's left of America. And I want to respond and correct them and point out the hypocrisy of them supporting the Democratic Party who treats the very groups they are trying to protect far worse than they accuse us of doing. For the context of my question, while I've been trying to do better and not attacking another's post, the other evening I saw a person, I had to restrain myself when I saw a person responding from anger towards a comment on a post I made. My post was a screenshot of a tweet from Eric Metaxas, who's a best-selling Christian author, uh, and now he's a radio host too, uh, about talking about how the wrong response is to point fingers in the aftermath of tragedy, and his response was just further accusations of white supremacy and inciting the violence of El Paso. 
I'm not asking you to craft my response, but I thought a discussion on this topic was important to have. That is, do we have a duty to confront or broadly counter lies and slanders? And therefore, how do we do it with grace? Lastly, when in the aftermath of tragedy, would it be appropriate? Well, Andrew, these are great questions again. Here's the first thing. To me, someone who claims to be a member of the Brethren, I would treat much differently in these situations um, and than I would someone who is of another ideology or worldview or belief system. I can't second that enough. This but, is vital. Yeah, yeah, Maybe I mean, not the way that you're, th- you're thinking. Yeah, yes, right yeah. Um, uh, uh, hey, when you're not sure, or unless it's your political party and you're hel- that you're helping, or it's the aftermath of a tragedy, then it's okay. Otherwise, don't bear false witness. Is that what the commandment says, guys? No. No? No. There's no caveats? No preconditions? When you're upset, Donald Trump, unless you're, unless you're really upset Donald Trump is president, don't, uh, other, beyond that, then it's okay. But uh, except for then, don't bear false witness. Is, there, is that what it says? No? Okay. Then, or does it just have a pretty blanket statement don't bear false witness. Is that a pretty blanket statement? Pretty. Pretty? Okay. Pretty all encompassing. Okay. So I'd start with that. When you're dealing with the, someone who claims to be a member of the brethren, I mean, Jesus made it pretty clear. Why do you call me Lord if you will not do what I say? Again, we're not, we're not talking about the struggles we all have, the, the sin that so easily ensnares us, the places where the, the old self is fighting with the new man, I don't want to let that sin go. I don't want to let that behavior go quite yet. That's the sanctification process. Okay? And sometimes, it, 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 if not oftentimes, it's a clumsy one. That's not fun. It's a detox, in a way, spiritually or morally. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is you are brazenly promoting things that God says is bad. Brazenly. And I don't, I don't mean like a style of, of music. No, like the substance of what you're promoting is bad. I, if, if you've got people who are members of the brethren, or claiming they are, and they're bearing false witness, I would absolutely correct that. And then if they will not accept correction, um, delete your account. Like, you know, you're, you're banned. You're gone here. I'm not entertaining that. Just not doing it. You can come into my house and ask me all kinds of questions about my faith and belief system and why I believe what I believe. And they can be as skeptical of the questions as you would like. I'll entertain them all. Come in my house and start dropping, uh, you're a white supremacist for Christian Sharia law. I'm going to throw your ass out. And, I, and I'm probably stronger than you, so I think I can do it. But even if I couldn't, I'm going to give it the old college try. Okay? Because we're not having a conversation. You can't, don't come into my house bearing false witness. You want to come, you, you, you're a friend of mine, you want to stay at my house and, and you're living with your girlfriend? She can come too. Y'all are sleeping in separate rooms. If you want to do that, don't stay at my house. I Meaning you, you don't have to agree with everything I believe in to be a guest but you cannot violate the things that I believe in to be one either. And, and, and that goes for my Facebook page. That goes for my Twitter account. That's my name. That's, 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 I'm to be a good steward of that. So no, you're not doing that. 
You can ask me all the critical questions you want, all the skeptical questions. You can look at me, you can come into my home right before we sit down to pray for Thanksgiving and say, you know, I listened to your case and I still don't believe Jesus rose from the dead. All right, as long as you're not a, you know, a douche bucket about it. I prefer white meat, you know, have, I hope you enjoy the dinner. But if you step to me with the bearing of false witness, which is what we call trolling nowadays, really, that's what we're talking about then hell to the no. No. So, John, I, when, it, when it comes to people claiming the banner of believer, spreading false witness, I would absolutely confront that without any hesitation whatsoever. None. That, that's cause for first correction. And then, if, I mean, there's an entire Matthew 17 process here. First, there's a correction. You know, and eventually we get to a public rebuke, right? Paul says, you know, this guy over here is sleeping with his stepmom, who's really his mom, because that's the only mom in the home. And uh, why is he sitting in church? Like holding his mom's hand that he's having sex with. Why, why, why all allowing that? Uh, throw him out, and then we'll have a conversation from there. So start with that, okay? Throw that guy out. He doesn't belong here. You're not forcing him to... And, and in fact, throw him out so that Satan will have his way with him because Satan will probably do a better job of spurring him to repentance when he's faced with the full consequences of his sin than your pathetic assembly here in Corinth is obviously capable of. That's what he's saying to them. We're better off... Get, we're better off... This guy, we're, we're more likely getting this guy to repent if we just totally give him over to the world and he has to face the consequences for his actions because even in most pagan cults, they don't let you sleep with your mom. Okay, we're, we're better off doing that. He, he, his road to repentance is better off being thrown out of here than it is sitting in this seat. Not to mention, what kind of integrity is this for your own assembly to the rest of the watching world when you're letting this go on right in your own church brazenly? So, I, I, you know, I, I think judgment begins in the house first. And, I, and, and so I, I, if someone's out there claiming the banner of Christ and I'm not, you know, their behavior's a little squirrely, their, their terminology you find a little, a little off-putting or, um, you know, obtuse and not uh, as, 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 as clean as you would like. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking point blank, thumb in your nose at, the, at God's law. Absolutely, I'd confront that. And I wouldn't provide him a platform for it on my on my page. Let's start. That's that's step one. You guys agree or disagree with that? Agree. Definitely agree. Okay. Now, if we're talking about people who have different belief systems, then I, you know, I think I think you're absolutely in an area where mercy triumphs over judgment. Not. I still though wouldn't let them violate the rules of engagement. No. You know, when I walked off that set a year ago, I didn't call that guy all kinds of names and everything else. I didn't demean or dehumanize him. I just walked away. I'm not doing this. I'm out. 5,000. Pour one out. I'm done. You know? Um, so I'm not going to let him violate the rules of engagement, but I'm also not going to let him provoke me to violate my own standards at the exact same time in response. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a reason in the scriptures John uses this in his epistles, referring to us as children. Jesus refers to us as sheep. 
Okay, what do children need? Guidance. What do sheep need? Guidance. guidance. Yeah. So that's what a shepherd does. That's what a father does. Right. And so I talked earlier. My oldest right now is in a bit of a state of rebellion. Do you think I allow her to violate, though, any of the rules in my home? Am I? Do I allow her as an adult to seek out and search her, the boundaries of her own conscience and, and, and realize that her relationship between, with God is between her and God? Do I do that? Yeah, because she's an adult. But in the midst of that, therefore, does she get to bring a, bo- a boyfriend home on a Friday night? Hey, Dad, we'll be up in my room. What do you think my answer to that is? Hell. Hell no, in this house. Not in this house, she won't be. In fact, because she knows that, guess what? She's never even going to try. That. That. Wouldn't even, it wouldn't, it wouldn't like even be a consideration. Again, you know what we're going for here? Grandma's house. I'm going to use a really earthly analogy. Grandma's house. Right? What you want is the warmth and comfort of, if, if, this might be the best analogy I have ever come up with. So roll the tape. All right. What we're seeking here. I love it when you give yourself helmet stickers. That's preemptively, awesome. even before I've even I said it. Right. Hey, Steve, we to keep the expectations low around here. <laughs> All right. But you're looking for the warmth and comfort of grandma's house. The feeling like this is a place to go when I, when I'm searching, when I'm in, when I'm in need, when I need comforted. Right. But then there's also the other end of that, which is when I come to grandma's house, I better come correct because grandma ain't having it, right? I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, show up with my four baby daddies at grandma's house and say, what's for dinner tonight? Nope. Nope. In fact, when I go to grandma's house, I'm like, yes, I'm still a virgin, grandma. You bet. I'm 35. Yeah, still a virgin with four kids. Absolutely still a virgin. You bet. You know what I'm going for here? That's what you're, that, that to me ought to be the model. Where on one hand, we compel people to feel like they have to, that 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 they that they want to set aside the stuff about them that they're not proud of in our presence because it 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 makes them more uncomfortable that it bears that out by comparison. But on the other hand, when they're when they're tired, when they're sick, when they're when they're despondent, when they're depressed, when they're mourning, who do they call? You. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's a pretty good balance to try to study, to try to strike. Mm-hmm. All right, you're you're you. We should seek to create environments wherever we are that are like grandma's house. You can bring us your questions. You can bring us your suffering. You can bring us your sicknesses, your afflictions. We're here. And, and, and with endless amounts of patience and mercy. And yes, we're happy to get up and make your favorite cookies again. We'd love to do that. But don't take advantage of grandma's goodwill. Oh no, don't do that. Because grandma will flash you. Look, Nana will. Nana. Nana knows what to say because she changed her diapers. She knows. She knows what's up. Do, don't. Don't think you got the drop on Nana. Don't do that. And I think that's a good environment for us to shoot for. You have any follow up thoughts on that, gentlemen? I go have, ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Dad. I have one because I face it uh, quite a bit in my uh, children's educational circles. Uh, and, you know, the pendulum can swing. Any and in all ways, so we're stri- trying to hard to find that balance. But in terms of it swinging hard one way, when I uh, have to hold people accountable in my personal life and use social media to do it, uh, some of those people in the quite a few of those people know what I do, and so they conflate 
all of it. My what, and I don't have two different Twitter accounts, and it's all in there. And then the commentary I hear second or third at hand is the way I deal with things, and often successfully, is that oh, I, I just I. It's not that I I disagree with his point, but I, I just wish there would be more grace. A, I receive that and think about it, uh, but also I hear it so much also that, and it's such a tried and true addiction to a lot of the people that are using it that it's it's clear that th- a lot of them, they don't like the fact that it takes that level of persistent pursuit mm-hmm. of co- accountability mm-hmm. to get Past the stiff neckness of their addictions and their idols. Mm-hmm. So you got it. It's paradoxical. You got to, if, if people are saying you lack grace, you should look at it. But also, a lot of the people who say that, both Christians and not Christians, are saying that um, as a out. Yeah, they don't know what grace means. No, they do yeah. not know Why what don't it means. Let me keep walking all over you. That's what it really exactly. means. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's well said, and that's where I was going to go. And this is kind of my gut when I when I heard this this note for the first time, which was, grace and mercy doesn't always mean nice. Uh, sometimes grace and mercy looks like God sending His Son to go hang on a cross in the most gory and brutal and terrible of deaths. Sometimes that's what grace and mercy looks like. If you kind of get pick pick up what I'm mm-hmm. putting down here, mm-hmm. sometimes grace and mercy looks like no, uh, I'm not going to allow you to continue in this. Uh, X Y Z sin, sure. at least without not, not without uh, letting you know that uh, you that you will face accountability, if not earthly accountability, then accountability from your heavenly Father. So let's again. I, I'm all. Um, I'm not really giving the the emailer a huge benefit of the doubt when I say this. So I, I just want to you know put that up front. But let's not think that grace and mercy always means being nice when it comes to accountability. I, in fact, a lot of times. It means being uncomfortable, but uh, later on, I mean, once once a sin is admitted to or you come correct, things are things are reconciled, and that's always a good thing. But it doesn't always mean happy, nice, warm, fuzzy feelings. I want to I want to go back to the grandma's house analogy with what you just said, Aaron, and you went through this with in your own life when you had some meth addicts steal your car recently. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So, you know. If, if, you're, if you're struggling with meth addiction and it's wrecked your life and you've made terrible decisions, grandma's house might be a place that you would go for sanctuary yeah. to try to begin your life again and find some answers. How did I end up here in the first place? I, I, need, I, need, a, I need support. I need someone who's going to unconditionally be there for me when I, when I reach my hand out, right? Yep. Do you tell your meth dealer, <laughs> hey, um, hey, Nana's not home and uh, the garage is free. No, you don't. You see where I'm going with this? Yeah. Because yeah, what will happen? That same Nana who's like, come on inside, honey. If she comes home and opens up her garage after she gets back from the bridge club with her friends and, and you're spinning some meth yarn in her garage, she's going to bust. She's going to do the granny equivalent of busting a cap. All right. She's going to break her wooden fake hip foot off in your backside. That's what she's going to do, which is why you wouldn't do that. So those folks that stole your car, if you were going out to your car one, one night, late at night, and they came up to you starving, hungry, and you saw a sobriety pendant on them, mm-hmm. asking you for some money, what would you do? Uh, hey, what's the immediate priority here? Yeah. If they're starving, yeah. uh, need some food. 
but your immediate instinct would you're going to vet them, but your instinct sure. would be to to help them. Okay, yep. if they walked up if you if you saw them jacking your car. Yep. What would your immediate instinct be to do? Uh, Whoop that ass. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. So. It, Todd used the word paradoxical, man. Here's if I've learned anything about my Christian faith these last 15 years, is that almost everything about the Christian faith is paradoxical. If you're feeling that way, you're closer <laughs> yeah. to the truth than you've ever been yes. before. Yeah. Yes. All right, we're going to stick around and do some overtime. Best and worst of the week for our Blaze TV subscribers, blazetv.com slash Dace. If you'd like to get a reduced subscription on my name here at Blaze TV. For the rest of you, have a great weekend. John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.